Hello, and welcome to another episode of All of Them Witches. I'm your host, Marcus, to chat yet again about horror movies. So, uh, since my last episode, I haven't really watched that much because it hasn't been very long since I recorded it. Um, but this is just going to be another episode based on one movie. So you can probably tell if you looked at, clicked to uh, listen to this video. So this is going to be back to our regular schedule of sort of just watching a movie and then chatting about it. So the film today is going to be Maximum Overdrive from 1986. Since the last episode, I did watch a couple things, though. I watched Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I had thought I hadn't seen this movie before, and so that's why I watched it, but it turned out I had watched it before. So, oops. Um, not really a bad thing. I just prefer, for the most part, unless I'm specifically trying to re-watch something, I usually try to watch only things I've never seen before. So uh, that was an accident on my part, but to be fair, I hadn't remembered anything about the movie. So it was all right. Didn't really love it, actually, but... You know, it's a product of its time, I would say. I do love Elvira, though. And then I watched Beyond Evil on my Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. Again, a bit of an oddity, something I didn't really like, uh, but it could have been worse. It was, you know, a competent film. It wasn't, like, excessively hilarious or anything, except for there's, like, these laser beam graphics. They don't look very good, but uh, otherwise it was all right, but not my thing. And then, of course, Maximum Overdrive. So, all right, let's get into chatting about Maximum Overdrive. What in the dickens is going on around here? Who was driving it? I don't know. I just want to get the hell out of here. Please don't let me in the dark. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Jesus, come in and he is. Maximum King. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. This film, I wasn't sure if it actually classifies as a horror movie or not. But on IMDb and elsewhere, it was listed as action, comedy, and horror. It's the genre tags. So I was like, okay, I'll treat it as horror, though maybe it really isn't. Um, it is a film that was written and directed by Stephen King. And I think that's probably why it's mainly tagged as horror, because everyone's just like, oh, Stephen King horror. You know, that's just sort of the obvious connection that everyone makes. So the film, in its basic premise is that there is a comet that like flies over earth and for some reason when this is happening it's going to be like sort of over the planet or something for a week or so and when this happens it makes all machinery sort of lose control or gain sentience it's uh or something because all the machines start 
acting out and doing things that, you know, they weren't uh, made to do, basically. We see this very, you know, from the very start of the film, when we have our, of course, we have our Stephen King little cameo in there, as he's just some guy trying to get money out of an ATM. When the ATM is saying, it's just, instead of giving him money or doing anything, it's just saying asshole over and over again on the screen. So yeah, that's a simple example of what's going on, though that isn't very harmful necessarily. Right after that, we get a very dramatic scene where there is a bridge, a drawbridge, and the machinery decides to make the bridge go upright, you know, split in half, as if there was a boat coming underneath, except there isn't, and there was no warning, so there's a bunch of cars on the bridge, and they all dramatically fall, and a motorcyclist falls, and goes through windows, and watermelons fall, and somebody's screaming when a watermelon flies at her car, you know, it's, it's humorously dramatic. And that's just kind of the start to show, yes, these machines aren't just goofy, they are going to be causing real-world damage and killing people, potentially. And we're, you know, to another scene where there is this really ridiculous 18-wheeler truck coming up that has, like, a big green goblin face on it. And it's, it's like a Happy Toys truck. And it goes to a gas station. You know, it seems like it's just a normal truck stop. And then there's a diner in there, aside from the gas station. Lots of folks in there eating food. The waitress is trying to cook everything up by herself, but then some sort of little cutting machine whirs up and slices her arm. And again, you're just seeing, okay, things are going wrong, increasingly so. In that same diner, there's an arcade, and some guy gets fried by an arcade machine. You see another scene of these kids playing Little League Baseball, and first their coach gets killed by a soda machine because the soda um, cans fly out at alarming speed and kill him. And then they, like, attack the children. Some kid gets run over. You know, Stephen King is just willing to do whatever he wants, basically, on screen. So we're back to this sort of gas station truck stop. And there was these this, these two folks, this woman and this man, who picked her up, like, on the side of the road. Um, a Bible salesman. They come here... Bible salesman almost gets killed, but he's, you know, all right in the end. And they sort of go into the diner. And we're just seeing all the characters sort of come into this diner piece by piece. Like this married couple who's in their, like, just married car who almost gets killed. And so they're they're running, you know, for their lives in their car to try to get away. I do think it's interesting that the people who's, who are driving the cars, like, when they're driving, they seem to be functional and not trying to kill the driver. Uh, I don't know why that's the case. But whatever. Think on the radio they hear, or someone hears, no machines can be trusted. None. No machines. So dramatic again. So, you know, we're back to the truck stop, and Mr. Bible Salesman is trying to sell his beautiful Bibles to people when one of the big trucks crashes into his car, which is like a new car, whatever. He gets pissed off, runs out, is calling out the, you know, the driver of the car. Of course, there is no driver of that truck. It's just a machine. And he gets hit by a truck and he like goes flying. So you're like, oh shit, he's gone. He's gone. Goodbye, Bible salesman. And I think around this point, all the 18 wheelers start uh, more come to the gas station and start circling around the entire perimeter. The intent to be that nobody at this truck stop can leave, basically. But we get to see a little bit something interesting when the 
just married couple arrives. They like actually make it in by sort of rushing at this sort of spot when there's not a truck in the way and they get in and because the truck stopped, people know this was happening. They noticed it ahead of time. The owner pulls out a rocket launcher and destroys a truck. And I was like, rocket launcher? What? Where did that come from? But apparently, I think it, it turns out he has like a whole collection of machinery, of, of weapons. So he's fine, or they could be fine with all of that gear. And uh, something that was funny about the married couple, Kurt and Connie, Connie's scream is so shrill. It is like the perfect comedy scream. It is just so, every time she's screaming or saying something, you can definitely hear it. And you know, it's just like, it's like, wow, they picked like the perfect person for this role, basically. So I mean, I never really mentioned this, but the main character maybe is Will who is sort of this, just one of the, the people who works there and is, he's, you know, he really is sort of becoming a hero by sort of helping these people. And Brett is the woman who came with the Bible salesman to this place. The two of them hit it off, of course, why wouldn't they? They're like so young and pretty, whatever. But either way, they're talking and Brett thinks that the meteor or the comet is the cause of all this wacky machinery business. Which is, as far as we know from what the sort of story tells us at the beginning, yes, it does seem to be the case. Okay, so a weird thing happens that I was surprised by is that it turns out the Bible salesman is not dead because you hear him sort of like screaming and groaning after a while outside. And they're like, we can't just leave him out there. We need to like go get him. And I don't know why they feel like they need to do that. Like why risk your lives for some jerk who may even be dying anyway, just that he can't, you know, he's just alive at the time, hey, whatever. So a uh, couple of the guys go to go get him, basically Will and Kurt, the husband guy. And they go by going into the sewer, which is nasty. But that baseball uh, kid, playing kid, who's sort of been running around throughout the film is actually in the sewers too, because um, he was trying to get in to get to the truck stop because his father lives there, or doesn't live there, he works there. So they do at least get, you know, the kid and stuff. But they have to reveal to the kid, oh, your dad is dead. He got hit by a car earlier after getting diesel in his eye. So he's probably going to be maybe, I don't know, blind. I don't know. At this point, the cars finally start doing what I was wondering why they hadn't done before, which is to actually barge into the truck stop, like, a big 18-wheeler, oh, it could totally smash into the side of a building. I don't know why they haven't tried. So they push a car in to the diner, and then there's this army trunk that is rolled up, and it has a gun mounted on it, and that starts shooting like mad. People get shot up. And it's very, you know, high-stakes moment, but our key characters don't die anyway. Sometime around here, the waitress is drunk and pissed, so she runs out there like, we made you to the machines because, you know, human ingenuity created this technology, uh, but that doesn't care. They don't care about that. And she gets killed. So that's a little bit of a sad thing. It's like one of the first important characters kind of who's dead or not important, but you know, just someone who's been in there throughout the film. Then the army truck starts doing Morse code. 
the baseball kid knows Morse code because he got like a badge in it or something from Boy Scouts. So he writes it down and basically the, tr uh, the car is saying to give them gas. So they do actually give the trucks gas. And then they do, but they're not done, right? They're not just like willing participants. They're ready to escape. So first they grenade the army car because of course the owner man has a whole arsenal, including grenades. Um, they Everyone escapes through the sewers. And then at that point, it's finally when the trucks are going crazy and the whole entire truck stop explodes. But that's basically very near the end because it's like the only car left is that goblin truck. And they finally do blow it up with a rocket launcher at the end. Good job. They just they, And then after that, they just kind of need to survive the rest of the time because this is, was all due to the comet. And once the comet passed, everything went back to normal. There are many things I don't understand about this movie, but obviously it's not meant to be realistic. Um, I do not understand why uh, why the they're so murderous. All the machines are so murderous. I think it's revealed kind of at the end that it was aliens controlling the uh, machines because they, at the very end, there's like a screen that just says text that is talking about people discovering a UFO and destroying it. So it's aliens at the end. I don't know why, though, they were trying to kill everybody um, and why they chose this form to kill people. Obviously, that's the point of the movie, but if you're, like, a really fantastical alien, you could do all kinds of things. You could just, like, blow up people's brains, like, with waves or something. Anyway, that's not really a good criticism because, you know, that's the point of this movie is about machines running amok. But I did think it odd that this is how it was sort of handled and how certain machines don't have deadly intent. And some machines seem to work without issue and others don't. Like, for example, when anyone was driving a car, they were safe. They were not, their car was not, um, you know, fighting them. You know, in general, this movie, it's it seems like it should have high camp value. And there are certainly moments when it does. But for the most part, there is a lot of times when it just drags on. When there is not, you, if this is the movie you're making, machines have, you know, developed some sort of secret sentience or aliens are controlling them. You want that to be happening a lot. You want to see ridiculous things happening like that um, in an increasing scale. But it's kind of like you got to the scale of the trucks and that's it. That's as far as it progresses. There's nothing more after a while. And then it's just sort of focused on character drama, which is not even important because none of the characters are very fleshed out. Especially people like Kurt and Connie are just a com you know a comedy pair. They're not even you know they don't feel in any way real. None of them really do. So why are we focusing at all on their drama and their talk and their discussions? Who cares? I just want to see machines act weird and dangerously. So this movie felt a lot longer than it was. It's only like about an hour and a half, but it felt much longer, which is the problem. I would have liked to see it just be more of a laugh riot. It isn't that funny either. It is a little bit at times, but it isn't that funny. It's not uproariously, you know, hilarious or anything. And I do wonder if some of this, like, excessive length or way maybe the black humor doesn't always work is because it was directed by Stephen King, and maybe he didn't, like, 
have people edit it in such a way that would make it a little bit better. I don't know. But I didn't like this movie as much as I thought I would, especially given that concept, which seems quite, you know, awesome and enjoyable. I didn't really like it. And is it even a horror film? I would say there is an element of horror because you have things coming and killing people, you know, and it could be horrific to consider that all of your everyday appliances and other technology could, you know, turn against you and kill you when you least expect it. Uh, sure. Like there's multiple instances of people who are dead in this film who are dead because of a Walkman, like the having the, um, you know, the headphones on and stuff. You never see how that happens, but you can imagine that being frightening. Oh, my, my, um, iPhone headset or whatever the little, um, things are called. The earbuds are killing me when I least, you know, I'm just trying to make a call and boom, I'm dead. Could be scary. And there's, there's gore, there's blood, but it's not really that scary. It's not really that horror-ish. Aside from the fact that, again, people are dying in some very strange circumstance. So it is what it is. Um, I think there's so many things like this in Stephen King's like catalog where, you know, he has his highs and he has his lows and he has his average things. That's only going to be, you know, of course that's the case with how much that Stephen King has produced over the years, both in books and other, you know, forms of media. So I get it. Not everything's going to be, a, you know, a home run. But I kind of hoped for better. This is such a great concept. I would have liked to see more happening than what we eventually end up getting. So it's all right, but it is not my thing. And I think it's interesting because Stephen King has disowned the film pretty much. You know, he did, maybe didn't at the time, but he has since. And he thinks that this movie was good for learning experience, but he doesn't, he, it made him not want to direct anymore. And I don't know if that was because it was hard or, or you know, not what he expected in a challenging challenge that he didn't enjoy potentially, or if it was that the resulting film, despite his best intentions turned out the way it did. I don't know, but I'm glad that Stephen King realizes it's not great either. Not that you need to make always great works. You don't, but I, I just, yeah, this movie had so much potential and, it just did not quite reach what I had hoped. So it's an interesting film. And if you're going for like Stephen King completion, then you have to watch it. Um, maybe if you're like in love with Emilio Estevez or something, you would watch it. But otherwise, I don't see any need to check this film out. It's very average, unfortunately. So uh, that's my take on Maximum Overdrive. I'm sorry, they cannot be winners. Um, but it was a movie that I saw and I thought was worth talking about for some reason. So... I have. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of All of Them Witches. We'll be back in two weeks to do it all again.